Um, you guys ready to start the show? Yeah, do our introduction. All right, let's do it. Welcome back, welcome back. This is episode two, and uh, as always, you know, as always, two episodes in. Corey, along with Burke, along with Hoyt, how are you guys doing? Man, doing pretty well. We're getting into the uh, the final stretch run here of the NFL season. It's kind of sad. This time of the year, the end of football starts seeming real, and it's really depressing. Exciting, though, right? Yes, a little in the air, certain certain feel in the air. Hoyt, how you doing? Doing okay. Doing okay. Had, had another good, another good week. I think I did better gambling than than our podcast did. Yeah, and you know what? I 100% believe you. Uh, you know, sight unseen. I believe that your girlfriend who lives in Canada is super hot, <laughs> and and, you, and I believe you definitely had a profitable week on all the picks that you didn't uh, publicly mention on the podcast because you're my friend and and I trust you. But uh, I have a friend who <laughs> I have a I have a friend who um, his name's name's Kitten. He one of these guys. If you talk to him, he's never lost a bet in his life. Like, I think sometimes I'll joke about some of the things he says, but he'll say them seriously. Like, he's a guy, if he picks the Saints and the, uh, and the Cowboys cover, the next day it'll be, I can't believe it. I accidentally bet on the Cowboys. I meant to bet on the Saints, but I bet on the Cowboys. The dude's never lost a bet in his life, if you ask him. Hey, and his, uncle, his uncle works for Nintendo and has the latest right. system. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, to be fair to me, both of you guys are, are my friends in real life. And both of you know that most of the time I'm talking about how bad my gambling is going. No, yes. I do not. Well, I do I, not I, doubt for a second because because you off the uh, outside the podcast. It's not like you were keeping those bets a secret and they all covered. No, I, I, I kid, but I also 100% know you're telling the truth because you are often deep, deep into gen land and not afraid to admit it. And, uh, and here we are. So a lot to talk about. And, and I, did, uh, I did have a friend in lower school who convinced us all that he had like one of those power gloves for Nintendo, <laughs> but it let you do, it lets you do anything in the game. Like if you wanted to have sex with one of the characters, you used the glove to have sex with the character. I don't know why we believe Fuck these yeah. things as children, but we believe them. <laughs> well, we yeah, it was like this existed, but only for people who had more money than we did. Yeah, it was like there was a, there was a rumor that like there was a specific code you could enter and you could see like Sonya Blade naked. Yeah, hold on. I'm just, I'm just writing notes here. Power <laughs> glove. Okay, so <laughs> love video game sex. Yeah, well. um the virtual boy that it was like a nintendo product i think it was called virtual boy and it was like it was, had a little tripod and then yeah you, you uh, put your eyes up to it and it had like one game i think like mario it, tennis right it came with mario tennis i remember when that came out because i really wanted one and just begged and begged my parents and of course i did not get one and but you know it was six months later the they pan, stopped right? making it do oh, I? yeah i just i distinctly remember it being so fleeting it was out out for like a second and oh, and then oh, we moved on from it. Don't don't even huh? start with me on the virtual boy. I got a virtual boy for Christmas one year. <laughs> oh, so when nice, my nice. when my parents were not getting me one, yours were getting you one, and then they just stopped making games for it shortly thereafter. <laughs> and wasn't it like it was all like monochromatic red, right? Yes, it was like, red and black. It was the biggest piece of shit that has ever been invented. <laughs> it, it was definitely a piece of shit. Uh, one of my cousins had one and I just remember it. And it, I, like, I almost think like, I literally have to be convinced that it wasn't like some sort of acid flashback or a dream that I had 
that this thing actually was was real and existed. I, I think um, I think I, I find myself being skeptical about like Oculus and stuff like that because I'm like, yeah, they told me they could do virtual reality. Before. Yeah, 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 you can't fool me with that shit. I remember Virtual Boy. You're not, <laughs> you're not gonna get me with that. I, it's I was just, just like to, the I was old Jewish I was able man to hit skepticism. A tennis ball. I was able to hit a tennis ball that was actually just a red dot from close to me to farther away from me. It's yeah. about all you can do on virtual it's boy. Fucking groundbreaking. Yeah. What, nineteen ninety eight or something? Uh, I don't oh, remember. I think earlier. Anyway, yeah, ninety five, just according to my, my quick Wikipedia and then they discontinued 95. it the next year. Didn't it also like give people seizures? I think it gave people really bad headaches and migraines. It may have also oh. given people seizures. I mean, look, you want to make an omelet, you gotta crack some eggs. <laughs> this was you know, this you was a bold move by Nintendo. And, Gotta break uh, few, they, <laughs> they stand by their decision. Um, <laughs> stand by their product. I, I wonder if you could find one on eBay or something. I'm sure you could. I bet, yeah. I bet they're more expensive now than they were when they came out. I don't Probably know about that. Seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it might have some some cultural cachet as like a collector's item. So maybe it was a total piece of shit. I can tell you, at least as of like the last time I checked, N sixty fours sell for like a huge premium on the secondary market they are very coveted and uh, as well weird. as like kind the of popular games for them Wait, n64 n64 was great but i feel like everybody had one so i'm surprised they're going for so much on the secondary market i well i think because they don't make them anymore and everybody had one and a lot of the people that still have them you know don't really want to get rid of them so they you know supply and demand you know people like to play them still and uh so they go for I don't know. I don't want to say they go for like an obscene price, but I know they go for like a lot of money. Uh, you can get a virtual boy on eBay for one hundred and sixty-five dollars. Uh, you can get an N sixty-four on eBay for one hundred and fifty dollars. Fuck, really? Where was I? I don't know. Maybe it was a few years back that N sixty fours were going for like several hundred dollars or something like that. It also might be like the original edition or whatever you know like there, there's a, there's always a difference between like the refurbished ones and and like the old school great condition ones but 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 even so let's say it's going for 150 isn't that kind of surprising to you like like normally you think like a, a, a several generations old system would go for like you know pennies on the dollar or something 150 is like still like commanding you know a decent you know chunk of change for for something so there's still yeah, a little wild. value it, because yeah. yeah, and you you have a good point. Like if I wanted to go buy a 1998 Dell computer, it would be you know forty five yeah, cents at the, at the Goodwill, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I, the the funny the funny thing is when I've gone to like uh, used bookstores, whatever, where they also have video games. Um, what I notice is that case. yeah, what I notice is that like the second most recent version is cheaper than like the old school games like you spend yeah. you, have, you have to spend more to get a mint condition super nes than you would to get like xbox 360 yeah exactly but obviously like the the whatever the newest playstation is like a thousand dollars or whatever so yeah yeah i wish i had time to game well I, i've anyways. been gaming a lot because i just got done fuck yeah it's, it's honestly better. Better. 
I have no, I, 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 I envy you in, in a sense. Uh, I would like to sit and just game whenever I want. But uh, let's move on to the games, shall we? Let's, uh, let's talk about our pick five, and then we'll talk about our locks. We had an okay um, Sunday overall. I mean, we went two and three in the pick five. It's a losing Sunday, but it's, you know, two and three is kind of one of those Sundays where it's like you live to fight another day. We didn't get slaughtered. Um, yeah. You're not going to you know, end up with your legs broken. We're not, you know, Vinny, Vinny's not going to break your legs. Um, you'll, you know, you come out of pocket a little bit to, you know, and you, you lick your wounds and come back. And it's got something to, got us something to think about because, um, you know, let's go through it one by one. First pick was the Thursday game. We had New Orleans plus four and a half. We talked about this quite a bit and we all really felt like we're all being very smart about this. And it ended up kind of not really ever being in doubt, uh, going the other way. Cowboys win, uh, 27 to 17, not a huge blowout cover. I mean, they won by 10 points. We had a four and a half point spread, but if you remember how the game played out, if you watch how the game played out, it feels like at no point, even when the saints were within the number, it feels like at no point were they getting the cover. They were just getting, uh, they had no control over this game. Cowboys controlled the game and, and beat them handily. And we started out the week with a loss well, um, yeah, but so, it's it, it kind of fell down like like pretty predictably if you thought about it a little bit deeper than maybe we did, uh, and that the Cowboys just took away the run. Did Taysom Hill throw like five interceptions or something? He threw four, he he threw, threw four interceptions almost. Yeah. I think all in the second half. He threw yeah. three interceptions on three straight possessions, which yeah, is something I've never seen. He threw them on back to back fucking possessions. So I mean, basically, what we. I don't think we were way off there. I mean, Saints plus four and a half. The way the game went, we basically saw the pretty far end of the bell curve in terms of like uh, the probability map of, of of outcomes there. And you know, okay. we knew Taysom Hill was shit, but we also knew that he was kind of threatening uh, in certain ways. And we saw the worst of him, at least in terms of the passing game. So yeah, and I'll and I'll is. defend our I'll defend our work a little bit on that because fuck yeah, do it. The Cowboys and the Cowboys got some breaks and they had, you know, just an incredible interception off, you know, uh, uh, Taysom Taysom Hill to Kenny Stills, the bout bounce gets tipped. It goes right into the hands of curse. um, You know, who, who, who intercepts it falling out of bounds. It was just a great interception. The saints were in field goal range. Then Taysom Hill's second interception, sort of similar. Um, It wasn't so much a bad pass. It was just a pass that was deflected in the pocket and then just again floats right into uh, right into the hands of a Dallas player. So the saints weren't too terribly fall off far off from covering. And obviously they had chances, right? I mean, we were talking about it just a second ago, three straight possessions at the end of the game that ended uh, with Taysom Hill throwing an interception, but any one of those three drives goes for a touchdown and, and we've got to cover. Also, yeah. I, I will, I will, remind everyone that that if our many many listeners were listening closely to our episode last week i did caveat the hell out of this game saying that if both cd lamb and amari cooper play maybe stay away now i I did not take that advice but maybe some of our fans did well so i was just about to say hoyt not only that but also, you know, if you paid attention, you know, the line moved considerably because of that information from the line we got it at. And obviously, we're, we're, we're wise enough to kind of, um, when, when information is still outstanding like that, 
to monitor it and not get the bed until it's clarified because obviously we got the worst possible fucking number at plus four and a half when it went all the way to seven and closed at six and a half um i think was was camara out too Did he, they yeah, he was out and they were out there uh two starting offensive tackles so that's not a good right so right. The, the combination to do with the fact that they couldn't run the ball right the, the combination of of camara the bet Camara's questionable and those wide receivers are questionable. So the combination of him being confirmed out and them being in obviously is what swung the line. Um, you know, that's the constraint of having to record the show and get it out is we might have to make take a position on a line like that. And obviously uh, a bad bet became an even worse bet once we got that news. So we'll take the L on that one, but obviously, uh, you know, not ideal to, to lock it in at, at a number that later ended up being just a piss poor number. Whatever. It's a loss. Chicago. What did we get Chicago at? We got them at plus seven and a half or plus eight. It doesn't matter because it was a loss either way, but I don't remember what we, what we closed at. Yeah. We got them at plus seven and a half. And and I talked a little bit about how I felt that I knew this Cardinals team and, and, and how they would probably win, but not cover. They 33 to 22 was the final score. So they won easily. And Kyler Murray looked really, really good uh, in his return. And I wasn't quite counting on that. And so another another bad pick there. I don't know, not much else to say about that game other than pretty decisive victory by the Cardinals and a bet that really didn't seem like it was ever uh, much in competition. Well, fortunately, um, fortunately, I woke up on Sunday and looked at that game and said, there's no way that game's close and hammered the Cardinals. So, fuck yeah. Well, <laughs> at least one of us, at least one of us, uh, you know, got some money out of it. But that's another L in the pick five. Um, but what I would like to talk about and what we should all be patting ourselves on the back for, because this was a consensus among the three of us for sure was lions, which we got at plus eight and who won outright, uh, 29 to 27 against the Vikings, an impressive victory. They are now one ten and one, a very symmetrical, uh, looking record on paper. Um, and good win for them against the division opponent. And that's kind of the angle we took was simply that they're at home against the division opponent and that they had not, they had given up on the season, but not really in a, in a disheartening way. Uh, the team still seemed to be playing enthusiastically for, for a coach they liked. And we thought maybe they'd get up for this game and they absolutely did. And so um, that bet was a, a, one of those good winners that makes you feel good, you know, a dog winning outright. Uh, we were all on it. We all felt pretty strongly about it, and uh, it was really never in doubt. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, that one was nice. And 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 Hoyt, I think it was said last week or maybe the week before that a bad strategy would not be just to take the Lions money line the rest of the season. And I followed that. So I had the Lions uh, plus the points, and I also had the Lions money line. So they made it a little exciting there on the money line uh, at the last couple minutes. But yeah, that was a that, that was a ended up being a pretty good game and for a while looked like the Lions were just going to run away with it up 20 to 6 then they did Lions things and just completely fell apart um well this this has been the Lions all year long they played pretty well in the first half like they come out with a good game plan Jared Goff like moves the ball a little bit and then they fall apart in the second half when the other team you know uh adjusts to Dan Campbell is like one-dimensional chess. Um, yeah, but, and, and but I think this game they were up enough that it didn't matter. 
Well, right. And, and I think it goes back to what Corey was saying and, and what we've been saying all season with the Lions was even when they lose, they fight. And I think that a lot of teams that were 0 and 10 and 1 are going into this week. When Because at what point the Vikings went up, right? I mean, the Vikings went up 23 yeah. to 21 after the Lions had been up by two touchdowns. I think a lot yeah. of teams in their position would have just quit. And well, we, we can also talk about like, why would the Vikings possibly be playing off coverage at the two yard line, like up by three or whatever, but that's a whole other conversation. Well, for sure. But I just mean that the lions did what they've done all year, which is they kept fighting. They, they didn't pack it in. They, uh, they kept pressing and they were able to, uh, to get the victory and make us look not so terrible for the weekend. I was actually um, – I was watching the game, and I was monitoring the percentage that they were giving, and it was at 110 for, for a lot of the game. So, um, they – they. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's why you hire Man Campbell. Yep, yep. They uh, – you know, they fought. But, uh, hey, I, you know, our, they were plus eight for our pick five, and so I had them at plus eight myself as well as a little on the money line. I felt I, – I liked the money line bet, but I definitely, like, did not – have the same sentiment of I'm just going to take the money line because I think if they if they cover, they win. And so I'm glad I took them both, especially towards the end there, but they ended up winning outright. And I, I feel good for this Lions team. Next game, similar um, sort of storyline and similar outcome in terms of for us uh, and it being a dog winning outright. We had the Chargers plus three, another one that seemed basically never in doubt. Chargers pretty much immediately go out to a, a commanding lead. It's 16 and nothing to end the first quarter. They end up winning 41 to 22. Uh, another live dog that covers. We were oh, all man, I will, I will, on that one. Yeah. I will say, I will step in and say it was definitely in doubt for a minute if you took the money line like I did. Um, ah. Yeah, I, that was another game where another game where uh, their three touchdown and a field goal, 24 to nothing lead, just kind of disappeared up in smoke. Well, let's see. It was 28. So basically it got to 24 to 22 at the end of the third quarter. And that's well, it got, where, yeah. It not, it not only got to 24 to 22, it got to 24 to 22 with the Bengals attempting a two point conversion, which they then missed. Right. You know, and, that's, was, and that's when it stopped. What was wild right. about that game is, you know, Herbert comes out, just was throwing it all over the place first half. Um, and then the second half just absolutely vanished. And you could you could be excused for not even realizing they trotted him out. I mean, he just did nothing in the second half, which is really what allowed the Bengals to get back in. And you wonder if if Burrow was entirely healthy, maybe the Bengals win that game. I think probably they did. Well, I also I also think the Chargers defense just really stepped up late in that game. Um, you know, there was no time to throw in in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and and I think a bad week for uh for your fantasy team. Although I guess it didn't, didn't end up mattering, but Jamar Chase not a great game for him for the Bengals. Well, yeah, but he dropped like a seventy yard touchdown pass, so like the process was there. The process was there, but T Higgins T Higgins had himself a game for uh, for DFS purposes. Nine receptions, hundred thirty eight yards, and a touchdown. Uh, if you had him, you were pretty happy. And Joe Mixon not too bad either. He managed to get into the end zone. Uh, so did okay, but, uh, chargers with the nice win there. And then let's get to this one. This one was kind of interesting because this was Hoyt's lock. It was the bills minus two and a half. 
uh, as we all know, this was sort of a frustrating game to watch. The weather was definitely a huge factor, and the final score was, uh, um, you know, a low one, 14-10 Patriots victory, and, and an interesting game in the sense that Mac Jones finished with 19 yards uh, passing, and I think, what, three attempts? Um, so this was some, some Bill Belichick insanity going on. And uh, as much as the Bills never really had control of this game, and as much as this was Bill Belichick's game in terms of uh, uh, just overall engineering <laughs> the outcome here, I mean, I think the three pass attempts was obviously very intentional, certainly a reaction to the weather, but obviously – um, to pull out the win under those circumstances is, is pretty interesting. Uh, this was, you know, this was a touchdown away from covering uh, at Bills minus two and a half. And I think, uh, you know, the weather definitely swung it. And I don't think you were way off point, but uh, it is a loss and uh, live to fight another day on that one. But it's also uh, it's also just a game where, you know, the Bills had ample chances to win that game. And, you know, sometimes it's just sometimes it's just that Belichick magic or whatever bullshit you want to call it. But, I mean, Dawson Knox has a couple of huge drops. Both on third well, that, down. That's, that's what Josh I'm saying. Allen, I mean, Josh Allen just straight up misses Stephon Diggs in the end zone. Like, any of these things go differently in the, in the, in the Bills' cup. Yeah, and, and really the Bills, to some degree, did what you would think they needed to do. The Patriots have under 200 total yards. Um you know, they only got their – their. well, no, I shouldn't say that. I, I, they had over 200 yards, but 64 of that comes on the uh, the Damian Harris touchdown run. So, you know, the, they contained the Bills, obvious, or the Patriots, obviously, the weather, and the uh, one-dimensional offense the weather necessitated had something to do with that. But we were we were in that one. It's, you know, it's, it's also another one, like, not – I don't like to make excuses, but – that's, that's oh, I love game. making that's a game that if we're picking on Sunday morning <laughs> and we already know the weather, maybe or Monday morning and we already know the weather, we're maybe leaning the other way. Like, I mean, when if it's gonna be apocalyptically windy and snowy, you probably don't want to take the team that likes to throw the ball all over the field. So one yeah, thing I, this isn't so much gambling right. related, but you know, I wish that um, they did not do so much on the TV broadcast minimizing the snow and the rain when it's snowing and raining. Like, you know, like they'll, like they'll pan to the stadium flags and they'll just be getting beaten down by snow and sleet. And then they go to the field and they've got all their fancy technology and you can pretty much see everything as if there was no weather. I miss that. I miss seeing the weather on the field besides just snow on the ground. Yeah. Uh, but what, what, what are they doing to like, what's the technology they're using there? It's just strictly like uh, uh, computer like effects to like take away some of the obscuring effect of the, the weather. Like, is I, I really, artificial? I really have no idea how it works and I'm not even certain that they're doing it except that like, there'll be those conspiracy theories. Well, no, it's or just it, like, it'll be a game just, and a tr- just that they have like an umbrella over the camera. Like, I mean, they could I mean that may be like, it. Cause really it'll animal. be like, I mean, there'll be a game. There'll be a game in a torrential downpour where they will constantly pan to the 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 you know fans in the stands just getting beaten down by rain falling in sheets, and then they'll pan to the flags and they'll be you know just dancing everywhere and totally obscured by snow and rain. And then it goes to the field and it looks like it's seventy five degrees and sunny. So they're doing something. 
I mean, yeah, you might be right. You definitely can see them pretty clear, but I don't know. Well, well I don't know. The, the plot thickens on this one. We might have to <laughs> investigate. We're, gonna, we're just we're asking gonna, questions. We're gonna we're gonna monitor this. Okay. Uh, we've been be, listening. To, we've been listening to the other Degen Den podcast too much. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna just be checking the numbers here. Uh, you know, taking air samples and whatnot. But um. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. Moving on to the locks, two and one, not too bad. I'll take it. That's a winning record on lock so far. My lock was uh, Pittsburgh plus four and a half. Again, my angle was pretty simple and pretty obvious. It was just a division game where I thought Pittsburgh could hang, and they did. In fact, they won outright. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. They won outright. Uh, Burke, uh, again. This was a, a winner by a mile. The Giants, uh, Dolphins, under 40 and a half. Very low scoring game. Total final score, final total score, 29. You were right on. And then, Hoyt, you just had Bills as your lock as well, so we know how that went. Let's talk about our DFS lineup because we, we kind of labored over that one for a bit, and we had some spots where we kind of were – what I, you know, we were – seemingly pretty thoughtful and i think we had some areas where we weren't too far off the money and then obviously we had some areas we fell short but that's what happens when you make a lineup that that you have to take some hail marys on uh like for the big structure tournaments um lineup didn't even come close to winning but like i mentioned the score wasn't all that bad it wasn't a total dud but in these tournaments you have to be scoring well over 200 to get even close and and we weren't so this lineup ended up scoring 130, let's see, 133.72. Pretty mediocre, but let's go through it one by one, and let's talk about what our thinking was at the time and, and maybe what we can uh, conclude in hindsight. Uh, here's the thing. Carson Wentz was our QB, and Indy won the game 31 to nothing. Uh, but he put up 11 fantasy points. So that's just one of those things where we're not wrong about the game script, we're not wrong about how lopsided it's going to be, but for whatever reason, the division of points just does not shake out uh, in favor of the players you pick. When it doesn't shake out in favor of your quarterback, it's a little bit strange with a score like that. It's like, what the fuck were they doing? Uh, here's, here, here, I have a takeaway from that, if, if sorry yeah. to cut you off. But I, no, 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 go ahead. I, there's, there's been a lot of this from Carson Wentz. The Colts just are hiding him, and maybe we just got to stay away from Carson Wentz. Yeah, um, they're running the ball. They're running the ball and playing defense and not letting them beat them. That's what they're doing. That's what they've been doing for weeks, and it's been working like like gangbusters. But like Carson Wentz isn't putting up big fantasy numbers. Well, he's not. But well, here's the thing. That said, and and you're absolutely right. And I think um, staying away from Carson Wentz is is probably a, a good idea going forward. But I think if we're looking back at the pick, and we're not trying to be too results oriented and see that he was a dud and say, uh, okay, obviously that was bad and we should fade him. We probably should fade him, but he was reasonably priced. He has shown himself to have some like pretty good fantasy ceiling and he ended up being 3.6% owned. So, you know, if, if the main, you know, goal in drafting one of these GPP lineups is to be both high scoring, but also like, different like highly distinguished from from other lineups i think we were maybe on track with that in terms of ending up with a qb that had some really good upside especially in a matchup like that and ended up being like very very minority owned because had he blown up had he blown up you could easily see him on the optimal lineup 
to, to clear to clarify my statement, like I don't think it was the wrong choice last week. I think the process right, was right last week. I think just was one another data point of the Colts win big without Carson Wentz doing any goddamn thing. Maybe it's time to move on from it. Oh yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, the thing is, we stacked him with Pittman, and that wasn't too bad of a stack as far as the wide receivers concerned, because Pittman ended up with 17 points, and he was 5,700. So, uh, you know, modestly priced, or at least moderately priced wide receiver getting 17 fantasy points, 12% owned. Uh, and the idea, uh, at least, you know, the, the principle of, of stackage was was at play. Just half the stack didn't didn't really pan out. Um, well, and Eli again, Mitchell, part of that was, was, was really just sort of the story of the week for this fantasy lineup, you know, for instance, you have, um, um, we, we, we had a lot of players who had good performances that just did not turn out to be great fantasy performances. I mean, look at Jamal Williams. He has, you know, 71 rush yards, but just doesn't happen to get a touchdown. He gets in the end zone. Suddenly that's a really good fantasy day for a player that we spent only 5,400 on, um, you know, we were talking a little earlier, uh, the island of Dr. Moreau, only 34 yards, one reception, but he also had two drops. And, you know, maybe that's why he was only 2,700. But again, not a terrible, not a terrible thought. Um, so, yeah, just so kind I, of a little I, I, bit I, yeah. holding us back here and there. I don't think any of these plays were terrible. I think I think we had our, our share of duds, but none of them were, were terrible in hindsight. So Eli Mitchell, not much to say about him. I mean six thousand and he put up seventeen points at, you know, thirty two percent owned. So he didn't he didn't have a, a a boom day, he didn't have a bust day, but also he was pretty popularly owned enough that, that him having sort of a average ish performance like that was perfectly fine for us if some of our other players would have blown up. Jamal Williams, like you mentioned if he finds the end zone in a game that really, really he did do what we thought he would do in terms of volume, um, totally different game. Yards. Yeah. Mike Evans, decent game, 16.9. Pittman, we but talked again, about. That's a game where 99 receiving yards, seven receptions. But again, the difference between a yeah. good game and the great game we thought was, would have just happened to be one touch in the end zone. And yeah. again, in a game where his team scores 30 and he has 99 receiving yards, you know, how often and, and, does that combination come and he doesn't get a touchdown? No, exactly. And the ball was very well distributed there because Gronk got his share and Godwin got his share and Evans had a perfectly respectable game. He just didn't find the end zone. Uh, Pittman we talked about. And then Mike Williams, great game, 19 fantasy points. He was only 5,700. I've been on the Mike Williams train like pretty much, pretty much week in and week out when I, I do, you know, I tend to do multiple lineups. I usually do anywhere between like five and 15 lineups, depending on how I feel. Um, I typically sprinkle a lot of Mike Williams around there week after week because he seems to always be in the mid fives and he seems to always be, uh, I mean, look at 110 yards, five reception yards receiving bonus. We, 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 pro- we probably don't want any Mike Williams this week. Not this week, but uh, I'm, I'm always looking his way. Um, well, so, so here's, I think, here's, I think the, the takeaway from this team is, is I look at all of it and just how close we were. We had 113, I mean, uh, 133 fantasy points. We had one, two, three, four, five, six guys in double digits. We got nine from our defense. We only had three touchdowns the, for, across the entire team. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, just to give you an illustration of how close we were, we had 133 fantasy points. 
and the winning lineup had uh, 243, and that's 100 points. That's how close we were. <laughs> well, I didn't say we were how close to being winning. No, 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 no. Touchdowns that we have to get to get 100 points. What's that, 10? Um, 10 more touchdowns. 12? No, I, I mean, I, 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 I joke, but I 100, 100% agree with Burke that I think this is a lineup where we can obviously just take the L and move on, but at the same time not feel like we have to maybe reevaluate the way that we were approaching it. It's just, yeah, you're, it's... You're, it's just a wide distribution of outcomes on these things, and we had the right – the right ideas here. So let's go through it again real quick. Foster Moreau, pretty widely on because everybody knew that he got the targets. He got, you know, he just had a couple of drops. Cooper Cup, he was the guy we jammed in there because we saved the money elsewhere. A lot of people had the same idea. He, he had 30 points. He had a Cooper Cup game. And then, like Burke said, Seahawks defense, perfectly respectable game, nine points. That can often be all you need from your defense um, to have a great a great day at this Let's talk like we did last week. Let's kind of make it a, a weekly feature to just briefly look at who won it all and how they won it all, just because it's always sort of interesting uh, to, to, to look and, and realize that somebody started out that day just firing off uh, football picks for $15 or whatever this contest cost, 10 or 20 bucks, and then walked away a millionaire uh, by the end of the afternoon game. So congrats to them. This week it is uh, a user named – Planned, three oh four. He sounds like a he sounds like a jerk. Yeah. So did yeah. Did, did you just did you just have to have Brady and Gronk and then figure out the rest of it? No, dude. This lineup is probably going to shock you. Not all of it, yeah. but the Q, the QB is going to shock you. Okay. You're not going to guess in a million years who the QB was. It's Gardner. Gardner. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my second thought. <laughs> But I kind of hinted at it. My first thought was you couldn't do it without Brady's crazy week. My second thought was Minshew must have been cheap as shit. So both of those thoughts are correct because second place who took home 100 grand had Brady and Godwin stacked. So you're absolutely right that you had to have Brady and Godwin stacked to do well in this tournament. But the winning winning lineup was Gardner Minshew, who was indeed cheap as shit at $4,000. And like I mentioned to Burke before, uh, before you jumped on Hoyt, um, 18.78 fantasy points. Not an amazing uh, ceiling performance from a QB. Not a boom performance by any means, but really all you need from him is $4,000. Yeah. Because uh, then he has Sony Michelle, who, again, blew up at a cheap price. He had Jamal Williams just like we had. And, again, an illustration of, of the idea that if you've got a, a high-chalk player, he, he can bust for you and you can be okay because enough other people are being hurt by him too. Um, Deontay Johnson, pretty low on 9.9% blow up at 33.5 fantasy points. Justin Jefferson, real chalky, but he paid off for him. Yeah. Chris Godwin, of course, George Kittle. We, we all know what happened there. 42.6 fucking fantasy points, 7.2% owned 5,900. So, not exactly cheap for a tight end, but cheap overall. Pretty pretty affordable spot to get George Kittle. Uh, I think a lot of the high-scoring lineups must have had Kittle there because um, that's yeah. a really good performance from him, and I think that was a sharp play. 7.2%. Uh, he, he should have been owned more than that. I don't know how enough people didn't see that that was a great spot for him. Uh, Dallas Goddard in their flex, uh, 4500 price, 315 yeah, I can, a, I can attest that he had a great week. 
He had a great week, and I think that's a little bit of a sharp, sneaky play by this winning lineup here. Who, by the way, that that's a stack. This is why I, I kind of feel that this lineup, uh, as much as it looks like a, a lucky lineup, this was definitely an intentional lineup in some respects. I mean, there's certainly some thoughtfulness behind taking Minshew at that price and then stacking him uh, with Goddard was, was pretty smart. I think yeah, the, yeah, I, yeah, the idea like the, of the a – The process is there. You're thinking like – a guy who hasn't started a game at quarterback in, you know, uh, however long might like look to his checkdowns, look to his tight ends, especially. And that's the tight ends exactly what the fuck he did. Yeah. And then, but then also the combination of like, yes, that's what this, this backup QB is going to rely on to get his sea legs back, but also he's got the cushion of doing it against the jets. So, you know, it, like the thinking was right. And then it was also a great spot for him to blow up. And then like we talked about defenses, they picked the Rams defense, 4,000 bucks, 10 points. That's all they needed. Wasn't, wasn't a, a ceiling defense game, but that was all they needed. So winning lineup, Clanned 304, K-L-A-N-D 304, who only had three entries in this DFS Millie maker. So this was not a, a 150 maxer. This was uh a three-entry uh, casual player. So, congrats cool. to that guy. Walked away a millionaire. That's pretty badass. Probably all donating uh, so, so, it all to his uh, Ku Klux Klan chapter. Just yeah, I'm just worried about that name. I, I hope he's really not a Klan member. That would Then I would take away my congratulations. I would feel very bad about that. Just, but, just, uh, just a question. Uh, did, did we know that Minshew was starting for Hertz when we picked our lineup last week? No, we did not because that was okay. a that was a late – a late cut, a late decision there by the Eagles. Um, they actually announced it Saturday night that Garner Minshew, Minshew would start because I was looking at that myself earlier. Uh, all right. And because because I, I love Gardner Minshew and have long been on the train that he's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. So it, it would kind of hurt my soul for me. Not no, no. I, I think, I think, we yeah, he definitely, we, we did not have that information at the time we recorded the episode. I certainly, I, can't say that. i'm gonna go ahead and say that had we known that we would have actually picked this lineup exactly we probably wouldn't have even taken Minshew. i just would have been like huh Minshew we would have talked about it. we would have definitely yeah. mentioned we would have mentioned it and we would have probably talked we about would it have we would potential. have mentioned it we would have mentioned it it would have been an honorable mention on so is show. that the end of the is that the end of the jalen hurts experiment in philadelphia uh, good question. I, I have no, uh, I have no take on that. What do you guys think? I, I, I think Sean, our friend who is an Eagles fan and theoretically is more tapped into that shit than the rest of us would tell you that, that they like Hertz. Okay. I, I, I don't make sense. see it. I think, I think Jalen Hurts is a fantasy football quarterback, not a real football quarterback, but Hey, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I mean, well, he's, he's got, he's got, I don't know, uh, just say a little bit more about Jalen Hurts. I don't know what to think yeah. about him either because he has moments where he displays just such immense talent that you go, oh man, if, if he could pull a few of these plays together, this guy could be elite, but then he just uh, cannot pull those few plays together ever. Here, here's the thing. And I'm going to sound like our friend John talking about Cam Newton. And I hate it when John talks about Cam Newton, because I think he just hates Cam Newton um, and lets that cloud his judgment. But everybody who like knows more about playing quarterback in the NFL than I do, which is a lot of people, but 
you know, some some subset of the population. They all say the most important thing to being a good NFL quarterback is accuracy. And Jalen Hurts isn't very accurate. Like, isn't that just kind of the end of the story? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it, it's a very different game than in in college, where even in a league with elite defenses like the SEC, to some degree, um, you can just if you can more or less chuck it really down the field where you know what distance it's going to go, you can kind of just go let your wide receivers get under it and not worry about the accuracy so much. And, and again, when you're Jalen Hurts, like if you play for Lincoln Riley, you're, you're never throwing to a covered receiver ever. Not once. I mean, it's, so, the same, it's, the, it's the growing pains you saw from Baker Mayfield. Like Kyler, Kyler Murray's gotten through it a lot faster than most. But that's also because Kyler Murray stepped into a college offense in Arizona, just a very, very sophisticated college offense. Well, so should we uh, should we talk a little bit about some of the games upcoming before we yeah dive into let's, our picks and our and yeah our we're forty five minutes in we got to move on to the second one. well <laughs> let's let's. Let's, yeah, we let's, should. Let's, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll figure some. Yeah, maybe. Let's do our, uh, we no, did about we did about seventeen minutes on the virtual boy. So, I don't know <laughs> <what I'm saying. laughs> but that's but that's got to stay in there. If anything, we need more on the virtual. Boy. Yeah, that's, Yo, that's that's staying. those are the most interesting takes we've had in three weeks. Keep it in and double. This episode, this episode is perfect. I have no notes. I mean, this is this is you know excellent. But uh, no, let's let's do our let's do our pick five. Um, you guys have considered it probably in a little more detail than I have by this point. So I'll let you guys kind of take the lead on this, but throw out five games that you like. Let's get a pick five on the record so we can keep, keep going with, with our accountability experiment here. And then um, I got a lock that I can throw out. You guys throw out your locks and then uh, we'll uh, try to fire off a DFS lineup and uh, we'll call it an episode. So I, so, so I, have, a, I have a handful of like games I feel pretty strongly about i have one that i feel very strongly about and then i have a game that i am a little puzzled by that i'd like us to discuss all right I like so that. i don't know how we want to divvy all that information out i think <laughs> let's start with uh let's start with the one you want to discuss i think that's uh, i like that that intrigues me yeah okay uh let's talk about this rams cardinals game I know it's weird to start with Monday Night Football. That's that's backwards. But I think this line is strange. What do you think you know, it should be? I agree that the line is strange. I'm seeing it minus two and at Cardinals minus two and a half at the moment. So where are you at? Right. And what do you that's, think it should that's be? That's what I see. Yeah. I think I think there is little question that right now the Cardinals are the better football team. Right. I agree. They're, they're playing at home. And they're favored by less than three. Why? Yeah, I with Hoyt, I don't see it. And and not to give a spoiler, instead I'll just spoil it. The uh, cards minus two and a half are my my lock. That's monster pick of the week. I think. Okay, I like I'm it. With Hoyt, not... I don't see I don't see any reason why this line is the way it is. Um, Kyler this, this Murray four, is going to be, be four back. and a half. It's, yeah, it's it should a be classic four and a half or four. It's I mean uh, Kyler Murray is going to be back at full strength. Um. You know, you have Stafford's having a good season, but like, here's the thing with Stafford. He's never good against good teams ever. Like he, I was Googling it because I was trying to find the answer to this. He is nine and 70 against teams with winning records. He's never beaten a team that's five games. Is that real? That's real. 
He's nine in seventy against teams with a winning record. Now, now, I mean, I'm I'm sure a few of those games have been since he's been in L.A. No, that's true, but you know, that doesn't help little, the case for a different situation. Well, that's true, but that doesn't help the case for the the L.A. team he's quarterbacking though this week. But but he's also but he's also banged up. That's true, but again, it's, all it's this just contributes like to me Cardinals. thinking that I think the Cardinals defense is going to handle him okay. I think the Cardinals offense is going to roll. Um, unless unless Cliff Kingsbury is hit by a truck, I and, and, and you know what these are these are they're both going to be up for it, right? These are division rivals. They've seen each other already in the season. Um, I just I don't see any reason to think that Kyler Murray is not going to throw everywhere. I can't. I don't see any reason to think the Cardinals are just going to be able to run the ball wherever they want, and that the Arizona defense is going to make. Stafford looked quite pedestrian. So is so is this is this line just what it is because we still have a little bit of like residual Rams super team stuff going on because like an eight and an eight and four team on the road against a ten and two team without like major injuries they they should it should be a bigger line. I, I think that the line is what it is because I think there's probably just enough of a public perception that the Rams are, are a better team than they are. And also the idea that this is the time of the season where both teams, you know, need to get the win and the Rams probably more so than the Cardinals. And so they're just thinking division game Rams need the win to stay in it. It's going to be hugely competitive. The line should be short like that, but you know, it's got to be right. something like that. I don't know. Then, then, then it sounds like both of you agree with where I was leaning. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I, definitely, we, can, we should definitely include Arizona minus 2.5 in our first, That'll be the Let's well, lock it in. That'll be that, and that'll be Burke, Burke's lock. Um, so, so what other about, games are you looking my, at? How about my two thoughts for locks? Yes. Number one, and it, it goes against a principle that I've been playing for a couple of weeks now because I think something that happened last week turns that principle on its head entirely. One of my locks is Denver minus eight and a half. Okay. I think Denver minus eight and a half. I think the Lions. Taking, I think taking the going betting against the Lions coming off their first win and betting in favor of the Broncos coming off a couple of like crappy performances in a row. I, I think this could be a big blowout. Oh, yeah. At mile high like that? I agree. So let's, let's throw in the pick five because I like that pick. And then my other, my other lock-ish, and this one I'm, I, I'm more confident on if you can get the current number based on certain news stories that I'm seeing on ESPN.com as we speak, which is Giants plus 10. Okay. The so Chargers what's the news? Coming, what what's Chargers the news that you're seeing? Like? Chargers are coming off a huge win, and they're going to be without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams potentially. Well, that changes things, and if that changes things, I say if so, how potential is that potentially? Because I think that changes the outlook of that game. It, it's it's a COVID it's a COVID situation, and it seems to be fluid. So to sort of go the other way on the injury thing, though. There, um, the Giants are already weak at receiver. Kenny Galladay got banged up last week. He missed essentially a, a whole quarter. Um, is is he going to be? Is he going to be able to go on Sunday? This 
to, to, to be honest, like this is more of a fading the Chargers pick for me than a pro Giants pick, even without the, the COVID, even if the COVID doesn't come through. I, I think the Chargers are a Jeff Fisher Memorial pick whatever side they didn't do last week team. All right. I, I think they played the best game they played in a while this week. And even in, even this past week, like, you know, their offense disappeared the entire second half. I, I don't – I think this team is not as far along as it looked in the first half of the season. But have you considered have you considered that the Giants are a very bad football team? <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the caveat. That's that's why I had Lions losing to the Broncos as my first lock. Well, yeah, you know I what? think as the as the keeper of the spreadsheet that I just started, um, I'm going to allow it. Hoyt will have two lead pipe locks for this week: Denver minus eight and how, a half, about, and Giants plus ten and a half. How about I'll have I'll have a lead pipe lock which is Broncos minus eight and a half. And then I'll have a just, we'll call it a bonus lock. So we'll try to do one lock per person just for consistency, but we can throw out a bonus lock that, you know, where that way you can at least get credit for it if if it, if it hits, but it's not going to be part of the, we uh, could also just call it like another game that I like. That's allowed. How about if it, if it wins, we'll include it in the record. And if it loses, we'll disregard it and never talk about it again. There you no, go. If it, Just, no, if it loses, I'm going to put it in big bold font. Ah, okay. So, but Giants is going in our pick 10, right? Or pick five, right? You know, um, I'm not sold on it, but Hoyt has sold me on it. So I think we're going to do it. We're going to do it with the asterisk that we're doing it at plus 10.5. Because if that number drops um, uh, right. to if, if that, if that seven, number, let's if that say, drops, I don't want any, anything to do with it. So yeah, it, it, it what is what is it right now? Ten? Ten point five. Ten point five is what I'm seeing it um, All right. on Bookmaker. All right, we got I it would, at ten and a half. Yeah, I would probably take Chargers or uh, Giants at anything nine and a half or higher. Okay. Well, if it, if it, if it drops below nine and a half because of the COVID stuff, I'm I'm not touching it with a ten football. All right. Sounds good. Let's make it a make it a thing. What's uh, what's next? We got two more games to fill out the pick five. Uh, I've been kind of dominating this, Burke. Do you want to? I have a couple more, but Burke, you can you can jump in. You know, there's there's some interesting games out there. I think one that one that I might like, and I can't I can't quite wrap my head around what I think about it. I think a fascinating game is going to be Falcons at Panthers. Uh, the Falcons are getting three points. The Panthers, <laughs> they've just five. <laughs> you don't think that game's interesting? Do you just think it's so bad? <laughs> I'm sure that you're going to give us a reason that it's interesting. And I'll be like, oh, well, I, well I just think it's interesting well, from a gambling perspective. Why would watch a minute of that game? It, it, I, I think it's interesting from a gambling perspective because okay. the Panthers, you know, they're missing, uh, they're missing Joe Brady now. So basically we know that all their coach is going to do is run the ball. That's all he's going to do. That's all they're going to want to do. Um, but their offensive line hasn't been good. McCaffrey is, is hurt. I just, I don't know what to think about this. Uh, I, I kind of think the Falcons are going to win. And like, I might sprinkle a little bit on Falcons money line, but not enough that I'm going to have to watch the game. <laughs> Fair. Because I, I think if you bet anything on the Panthers, we're gonna be, there's a real chance of feeling like a jackass. 
Yeah. Well, and, and again, that's, that's maybe my lean. I like your, I don't know that I like it enough to want to put it in our yeah. picks, especially because Corey is, is a uh, conspicuously quiet about it, but, um, I, I, but I think I it's also, an interesting game. I also think the Falcons are sneaky, not terrible. Um, not, not in that, like, I ever think they're going to beat anybody, but in that they just kind of seem to hang around with people. I, I'm not a huge fan of putting either side of this game in the pick five because I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. The, these two teams could do fucking anything. Like, we have no idea. I, I, I think uh, I think the, the, the Joe Brady firing smells of Panthers are totally falling apart to me. But that, but that, that, that sometimes, sometimes that bounces the other direction in, in the actual game. Like it might be this week they look great, and next week they look terrible. You know, but I, but I think I think the Joe Brady firing, coupled with some of the recent reports that Matt Rule was thinking about going back to college, like I think that coaching staff has moved on. Like he's gonna take classes and get a degree, or or like he's coach. <laughs> Matt Matt Rule was Matt Rule was reportedly <laughs> like Rodney Dangerfield. Matt Rule was Matt Rule was reportedly, and obviously this report seems to have turned out to be inaccurate. But why would it be reported by a, a reputable news outlet unless there was something there? He was reputed reportedly offered the job at LSU. Ah, okay. Um, now, based on everything that's happened since, it kind of feels like maybe it was his agent saying that. Of course, um, I mean, it could be just because the year 2021 is weird and crazy that he turned down a job in the SEC because he wants to stay in the NFL where he can run the ball more. My, my point is just that if your offensive coordinator who like, I mean, whatever. I mean, there's loads of things wrong with this Panthers offense, but I I can't blame a second, an inch of it on Joe Brady. I mean, they're, they're on their 15th quarterback and haven't had McCaffrey for more than like three games this season. Um, And, you know, so let me tell you a game that I do. Let me tell you a game that, let me tell you a game that I do really like. And I'm just going to move us past that because I think we all kind of seem to think it's, Maybe Falcons money line a little, but stay away so you don't have to watch it. Cool. We, we can talk more about Joe Brady on the SEC podcast. Yeah, exactly. So here's one that here's one that I like. I do like a fair bit. I like a Cleveland minus three against Baltimore. Do you? I was just looking and, at that, and I was curious about that line, which all seems very fishy to me. So here are some weird things about this game. This is the first time in 30 years that a team's had to play two straight games against the same team. Remember, these teams just met in week 12, and Wait, Cleveland what you, had a bye what week. Talk, what are you talking about? What? What do you mean? The Ravens played the Steelers last week. No, 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 no. I'm saying this: the these teams met in week 12, and Cleveland had a bye week. So they're oh, playing Baltimore two weeks in a row. They're playing Baltimore oh, twice the in a row. They don't have the same advantage. Yeah. So, oh. so yeah, so in week 12 they met, then Cleveland goes right back into its bye week. Now they're playing Baltimore again. Yeah, obviously Baltimore got beat by the Steelers in between. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cleveland's, Cleveland's going to be desperate. They've had, they've had two weeks more or less to get Mayfield a little healthy. I think, uh, I think I like Cleveland in this one. 
It's interesting. I, I my my first blush was very much the opposite side of this, but now listening to you and and the element of the bye week, especially with the the reason the Browns are where they are is that Mayfield's been hurt all season. They'd be at uh, they'd be in this race if if he'd been healthy, and and the Ravens just got beat up in that game with Steelers. I, I'm kind of coming around. Yeah, well, like, the like, Ravens, they lost. Uh, they be coming around to stay away. <laughs> well, they lost. I mean, the Ravens defense also lost uh, Marlon Humphrey. He's not going to be playing this week. True. That's interesting. I mean, not that the Browns have receivers you have to worry about, but. Well, so do we like it enough to put it on our list? Yeah, we still... I'll, I'll roll with no. I'll roll with you on that. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it at minus two and a half, but I'll put it for the for the pick five. Since you're seeing it at minus three, I can put it in a minus three and no. Let's take. put it minus two point five because now that's what I'm seeing on Bookmaker too. Like now minus, that I put okay. it better. Cleveland minus two and a half. So let me round out the pick five because I'll I'll give you uh, my pick, which is also going to be my lock. Um, it's Washington football team plus four. And I don't know if you guys have already formed an opinion on that game or whatever, but I'm just seeing this as a division game at home with a Washington team that is a perfectly serviceable team, a perfectly good team, a team that is uh, uh, put up more points on offense than this Dallas team, uh, surprisingly, uh, is, is decent at home still has a decent shot at making the playoffs. I think they're going to get up for this game. And I think getting four points at home, I think is I'm loving it all day. I think they could, this is one where I could easily see them having a heartbreaking loss by, by a field goal or less, let alone winning outright. Uh, Give me Washington plus four and also make it my lock of the week. You know, I think that's an interesting game. Um, Amari Cooper, I think, is supposed to be back for Dallas, which gives their offense maybe a little more snap. You know, oh. it, 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 it's funny. It's a game I look at it, and, like, you would think the Cowboys should should be better than Washington. But I think I like I think I think like that pick. I think I might even like Washington to win that outright. I mean, like you said, their defense has played great uh, the last four or five weeks they can get within a game of first place in their division if they win. So they've got a lot to play for. Their morale is certainly going to be high after last week. Yeah. And that's kind of one of my angles too, is I think their, their form as of late is, is very strong. And so for a division game like that, I just feel like that spread is sort of, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's a lot of points. It's fishy. It kind of seems like Dallas is always a heavy public favorite. There's going to be people all over Dallas at minus four. Hey, just give me the points. I kind of, I kind of feel like looking at that because I, I had pegged that as a stay away. Um, yeah. Because I think they're. I, I just look at them like that. The, the Cowboys could win by two touchdowns. The Washington could win outright. Neither would, neither would surprise me. Um, but talking through, like I, that, that feels like a game where I might put like a half a unit on the money line. Okay. Just because I think, you know, it, it might be close and it might just be worth having a little money there in case they win. All right. I agree. So um, that's the pick five. Arizona minus two and a half. Denver uh, minus eight and a half. Giants plus ten and a half. Cleveland minus two and a half. Washington plus four. And our locks of the week. Burke, you are on Arizona minus two and a half. 
Uh, Hoyt, you are on the Denver Broncos minus eight and a half, and I'm locking in Washington plus four. Uh, uh, I feel just, good. I feel good. Just Any... a couple more, a couple more bets I like before we move on. Dog, we yeah, let's hear it. I was just round. about to ask. Speed round. Um, yeah. I'm. Le- I, I kind of. I like Vikings minus three. Okay. Because I think the Steelers are bad. I think they're coming off a huge emotional win. And I think the Vikings are better than five and seven, and they just need a win. Yeah, I, was a, uh, game. I don't disagree here, with you there. Here's a fun bit of trivia about this game. These are the only these are the uh, the only two teams the Lions have. Uh, well, these are the two teams the Lions have played that didn't beat the Lions. I think that's kind <laughs> of remarkable. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, I like that pick. I think um, Mike Zimmer, he's kind of in the hot seat, right? So he'll he'll be having a lot to play for. Um, I like that pick. I think. I think this 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 Vikings team a little bit falls in like what I said about the Chargers earlier, which is like if they're on a losing streak, bet them to win, bet them to cover, bet them to play well. If they're on a winning streak, maybe not. Um, the other game that I'm and look, I I basically bet against Tom Brady twice this week and lost both of them because I picked the Bills and uh, the Falcons. So maybe I shouldn't pick against Tom Brady again this week, but I like the Bills. I like the Bills plus three and a half. I don't know, man. And and, and here's the only reason that makes me nervous is I'm pretty sure that Tom Brady owns the Buffalo Bills. I mean, his basically his entire career, he's done nothing but beat them. Um, it's 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 just it's another it's a little bit like what I said about um, whoever else I said just like desperately needed a win this week. Like the Bills are too good to be seven and six. This is the game where they like and 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 they're they'll be playing in good weather because it's Tampa and and I I feel like this is the game where the Bills come out and say that was not who we are last week. Yeah, you know, like no, I, I think, think they I like probably still pick. lose. I think they probably still lose the game, but I just think they're going to be in it. Okay, well, that'll be that'll go down as a, a white bonus bet. We'll see how it does. So we got Minnesota minus three and uh, Buffalo plus three and a half. Right. I'm putting that as our sixth, our uh, our ace in the hole pick. Yeah, as our our it'll be our Ooh. sixth pick. And I mean, like half is interesting. That's a lot of points. There's plus that's, 12 and a half. Mm. Yeah. That's that's that. the only – that's the, I mean, well, look. They're, they're, Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. Destroy them. Justin Fields is going to be back. Like maybe they, maybe they're a little frisky. I don't know. Mm. I, it's interesting. I, I would rather have the Bears than the Packers in that game. Yeah, that might be a backdoor type, type cover. It's just so um, many points, especially in a game like that. You could almost – I mean – you know, you could buy that to 13 and a half or really if you wanted to get super conservative. I mean, you could buy that game to two touchdowns anytime you can get anywhere near two touchdowns in an NFL game. I feel like that's a pretty good, pretty good, pretty good underdog to be on. Or, or tease it, you know. To, to, to <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. So we got we got our picks in. You want to just fire off a DraftKings lineup, another stab at a billion bucks and uh, call it a night? Let's yeah, do it. let's do it. All right. DraftKings Millie Maker. You know the rules. $50,000 salary cap. Fill out your roster. Don't go over the cap. Let's start with quarterback. 
Oh, the usual suspects are priced as you would suspect them to be. We start out with Patrick Mahomes as the priciest quarterback, eight thousand dollars. Uh, Josh Allen, seventy-eight hundred. Tom Brady, seventy-six hundred. Lamar Jackson, seventy-four hundred. Justin Herbert, seventy-one hundred, and so on and so on. What are you guys thinking here? Are we trying to pay up for a chalky quarterback, or are we trying to uh, bargain shop and find this week's Gardner Minshew, or are we just trying to go like uh, middle mid price and, and just get the points we need? You know, guy? it's it's crazy to me that that, and I say this is a what now a fourth year in a row Mahomes fantasy owner. And, and a guy who, who who likes him as a quarterback, too. It's just crazy to me that, that he's still $9,000 this week. I mean, he is – he looked absolutely unimpressive last week, under 200 yards, had an interception. Um, his fantasy performance was was beefed up by a score on the ground, but otherwise he just had, what, 12 rushing yards. He just doesn't look like himself. Um, I would – it's it, it 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 it's pretty crazy to me that that's the that he's still the the top quarterback on the board. Yeah, so. and I really have no inclination to draft him this week, uh, just because I don't necessarily think there's value there. Um, although it's a nice matchup, but uh, you know I, I'm kind of looking further down the list here. So, so here's here's a crazy thought, and you're all gonna tell me I'm crazy, but like. We, we, we like the Broncos against the Lions. Like, maybe a Teddy Bridgewater, Cortland Sutton stack or something like that. Though, that, that's 100% not a crazy thought at all. And those are the types of quarterbacks I'm kind of looking at in these spots. And, and I'm looking right at the Garoppolo Bridgewater, you know, yeah. section of the section of the, the menu here. Um, and for them to be similarly priced, I think I would take – Bridgewater at home against the Lions versus Garoppolo on the road at Cincy. Yeah, uh, yeah any, I like that. For 5,700, I think that's – I think we plug uh, him in. Well, like let's, let's use that as our building block there. So we're going to do Bridgewater, and then just to build the stack, let's skip running backs for a moment and plug in a wide receiver. Now, do we go um, Cortland Sutton, or do we go Jerry Judy, or what are we thinking here? Uh, what are we looking at price-wise right now? Price-wise, we are at. Let's see. Let me just. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Sutton is pricier, but, I, but he's probably not. No, Jer- uh, there. Uh, Jerry Judy is the more expensive one this week, but not by much. So, um, here's the thing with with this stack that you suggested, Hoyt. It, uh, you're not. You're barking up the right tree because everything in this stack is affordably priced with with what I think is a pretty high ceiling this week. Jerry Judy is the most expensive wide receiver from the Broncos, and he's fifty six hundred dollars. Court and Sutton behind him at 5,300. I mean, which one of those are we taking here? Do you think Sutton is maybe the better pick because he's a little bit cheaper? And I think he just – let me let me look. I don't want to speak uh, incorrectly here, but I feel like he gets targeted a little bit more. Well, you know, I was just looking at that. So so the, so the last game he had six targets. Him and, him and Judy had the exact same number of targets. Yeah. Um, Judy's had the last few weeks he had six, three, nine, eight, and four. So six, three, nine, eight, and four targets against Sutton's um just lost it there against Sutton's Sutton six three three two and four so Judy's Judy's been getting the the bulk of the the, I shouldn't say the bulk of the targets but more targets and maybe for just 200 bucks more yeah but like is this is there a permanent shift towards Judy here because you know the first six games of the season Cortland Sutton was having double digit target games 
So, uh, like, if there's well, questions, Judy got hurt. I mean, it's part of that. What's you know, that? Ju- Judy was hurt for a little bit of that. Of that portion. Yeah, and I, I think that's 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 valid, and I think I guess that maybe justifies Judy um, retaking the top spot there. So, do we just go with Judy because he's just simply all that, not all that much more expensive than than Courtland Sutton, and it seems like he's the most reliable target. I think so, and we're still only spending fifty six hundred. Yeah. All right. So let's plug Judy in. My, my only my only caveat is I wonder if Cortland Sutton has a little bit higher upside just because he's slightly more of a deep threat. Well, that and also um, maybe lower ownership. Yeah. So um, we could try it either way. Let's plug let's plug Judy in and see where we end up. Um, all right. So now our, our our average salary is manageable. So let's go to running back. Uh, Let's see. Up top, we've got Austin Eckler. Questionable tag on him, but he will probably play. He's at 8,300. Alvin Kamara, 7,900. Joe Mixon, 7,700. Nick Chubb, 7,600. Leonard Fournette, commanding a pretty high price after two very good weeks, 7,400. And so on and so on. Um, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm kind of scanning the bottom of the list here for some some bargains, but I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the, the price here running backs here and whether any of them are kind of must-haves in your roster where you just have to find a way to jam them in and save money elsewhere. Well, I think it says something about uh, Derek Henry that on the injured reserve, you can still get him for $7,000. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, maybe it's worth a shot. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's always interesting to me with, with uh, DraftKings and, and – I. I think the reason that they keep those guys on there at the, at the price that they're at is like, so that you can't like, cause if they just change their price to reflect their actual projections, so like an injured player obviously is going to get zero, but if they put the guy at $0, you could put him on your roster and then you could just fill the rest of your roster with the most expensive guys possible and just hope that the zero is offset by having all the chalkiest players. So I think for that reason, um, you think that's why they do it? I don't know. I've never really understood the keeping the injured players at a high price, but I think that yeah, that's it. I had never thought about I had never thought about the reason before that 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 actually makes a lot of sense because yeah. otherwise otherwise the, the game does not enable you to do that. So, for example, um, you you can't submit a roster that's missing a player. So, like for example, you couldn't be like, oh, I'm just going to be clever instead of trying to save money. I'm just going to roster. Right, that's every what I mean. The game player. doesn't let you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the same reason, like they wouldn't just take an injured player and put him there at a, at, a, at an available price of like a hundred or zero, and then you could just plug him in and then just load up elsewhere. Um, that might that's probably why they do that. But um, I don't know. So, Let's see. so so here's my thought for running back a guy you can get relatively cheap. What about uh, what about Cordero Patterson? You know, I think we all we all thought that the Falcons at least had a shot in this game against the Panthers. Um, he's been playing well the last few weeks. Can he keep it rolling? I was looking at him, and obviously, um, you know, last week uh, still put up okay numbers, uh, and he's had some pretty amazing weeks. Um, I agree with you that he's not a, a, a it's, it's a decent price point for him. I'm not sure about the matchup there, but I think they are going to go to him a lot. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. So he's at 6,900, but at 6,100, I'm looking at 
Clyde Edwards-Alaire in a favorable matchup. I don't know if you took a look at him yet. Uh, and then right next to him, Antonio Gibson. In it just he's such a high volume, uh, reliable workhorse running back at just six thousand. I feel like either one of those guys is worth some consideration. Um, so, man, yeah. Hoyt, what do you think? I, I agree. Um, another just random thought. I, I I've been down on the Titans running backs who aren't Derrick Henry. Um, but against the Jaguars, if you can figure out which one of those two guys you think are going to get the carries, one of those two guys could be huge value because the Titans have a, the Titans have a real history of just running the ball all over the Jaguars, whether it's Derrick Henry or anyone else. So I think Hilliard might be a really solid player at 5,300 because he obviously had a, a very solid game last week. Um, they not you tagging not three hundred. Sure, I thought I, I saw him at seven somewhere, but like if you can get him for fifty three, yeah, yeah. I don't know where he is on like Fanduel or the other sites, but on DraftKings, uh, Hilliard is fifty three hundred. So why don't we just not yeah, overthink let's plug it. that in? That's let's really plug, good value. The, the, let's plug him I, in. I, I think there's, you know, I, we did. I didn't talk about the game during the the gambling section of this podcast because like I'm, I just don't know what the Titans are right now. But the Jaguars are really bad, and the Titans are going to want to run the ball against them. So, and, and here's what I think you do if you, uh, like, for the more serious DFS players that, that have, like, put a bankroll towards it and, and do max lineups, I think you take the angle of some Titans running back is going to get theirs in this matchup, and you maybe yeah. do, do two or three lineups, and, and you just swap out one with Hilliard, one with McNichol, one with Foreman. Uh, and you you see if maybe you were right about one of those because um, they're all super cheap. Agreed. I, I would probably lean toward Hilliard and, and Foreman because I think those are the two guys that have a little more upside. But yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so we so we, if we plugged in Hilliard, who's our next running we, back? We plugged in Hilliard, so let's get our RB two. And what are we thinking here? Are we thinking just a, a, a obvious volume play like Chuba Hubbard or at 5,900? I don't know. He never really impressed me even in, during the first phase of McCaffrey's injury when he was the clear go-to bell cow. He was not really putting up huge numbers. I think well, I might fade him. We've saved know. some money elsewhere. So if you still liked Edward Solaire, that's that's a direction you could look. Uh, if you still like Cordero Patterson – that's the direction you can look, be a little more money. But, Let's, you know, go Cordero. Says... Let's go okay. Cordero because I think he's not too much more expensive. I think he's going to get, uh, like we said, I think he's going to be in, in getting a lot of looks in this matchup. And then uh, once we fill out our defense, which is in tight end, which are usually cheaper, I think we'll be okay here. So let's get a wide receiver two and three. Um, <clears throat> who do we like this week in these matchups? We got the the usual guys are expensive. Tyreek Hill, eighty five hundred. Stephon Diggs, eighty one hundred. Uh, scary Terry McLaurin, seven thousand. A little further down the list there. Jamar Chase, sixty nine hundred. Any any uh, value spots here? Maybe Amari Cooper if he's back, which he supposedly is. Yeah, I think there could be some potential value in Amari Cooper if he's back. Um, yeah. Not super, super expensive. Yeah, fifty nine hundred. Brandon Ayuk, fifty eight hundred. He's been uh, he's been getting his his share of looks lately. Um, 
That's a tough one. I always, I'm always, I always do a poor job of trying to figure yeah. out what wide receivers are going to do. Yeah, you know, could, could, could look at like a Hunter Renfro just because you know there's going to be points in that Chiefs Raiders game. Well, let, yeah. yeah, let's let's plug in Renfro at sixty one hundred. I, like yeah. I, I think the Chiefs are going to put up a lot of points, and I think he's the obvious bring back along with uh, uh, you know the tight end spot. I don't know if Waller's healthy or, or what to deal with him. Is he is he out for? Uh, yeah, he's questionable. I, I think questionable. I believe because yeah. I haven't taken him out of my lineup yet. All right, wide receiver three. We still we got a decent average salary. We could probably get a guy in the sixes or even spend up if if we're willing to you know scrape the bottom of the barrel on defense. But ah uh, man, we could get a guy like I Mike mean, Evans for sixty six hundred. I'm looking at DK Metcalf. Who, yeah, I mean sixty five hundred is pretty cheap. I know I know the Russell Wilson situation is fluid and weird, but they're playing Houston. So let's plug well, him he's in. He's still getting like targets. Him. He's still getting plenty of looks. I mean, let's he's, plug he's, him in because I like that play. And that's then, a val- that's a value play based on the player and the opponent. It's just I'm not sure if it's a value play based on like the opportunity. Yeah. Well, let's plug it in. I like it. I think that's I like that play. Yeah, and then going down to tight end here. Um, I kind of want to bargain shop because I kind of think we have no choice. Um, but I'm not sure who the guy is. You know, we Foster could go. No- well, there's Foster Moreau, but we could also go Noah Fant and complete the Bridgewater double stack if we feel that good about him. Um, I kind of like that. I kind of yeah. like having a little more of that Denver game. Yeah, and then let's skip the flex for now and just fill in a defense. That way, we know how much we have left to spend. And let's see, I typically never go chalk on defense. It's just because it almost always doesn't make sense. We could go Denver defense, 3,800 uh, or Cowboy. Uh, nah, I don't like that because I was on Washington. Um, I mean, what, again, Seattle. Well so, yeah. how, well, so going back to our, our pick five, how good do we feel about the Giants? Because we could get the Giants defense for 2,300. They're the – dead last cheapest defense. And if we maybe feel good about that, does that give us a little more room for our flex? My problem is I think I feel good about the Giants holding the Chargers. Yeah, I think that that game might be close. The problem is, the problem is I think there's a difference between us feeling good about Giants plus 10 and all the various permutations of how a plus 10 game could play out versus the Giants actually having like a solid defensive game, which I think is much more in doubt. Um, That's true. But we could do something, you know, like Hoyt said, Seattle's not all that expensive, and they're kind of coming off a good game, uh, and they're against a bad team. And Seattle is always like not a defense that's to be trifled with. You know what might you know what might be a really interesting fade the public go for low ownership bet is Browns. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, there's the division game angle there. Let's plug them in, 2,700, because then and, we've got and six. Just, and just the Browns, the Browns, when their defense is rolling, they get sacks and turnovers. Like, and, you know, again, so, I, know the Ra- I know the Ravens' offense is good, but it's been super inconsistent. If we well, plug that gives us a lot of room to work with for, yeah, for it, our flex, it, too. So I like that play. Leaves us sixty seven hundred. So if we go, I mean, if we want to spend every penny, there's only two choices at sixty seven hundred, which is Tyler Lockett and Eli Mitchell. We'll probably fade Lockett just because we like Metcalf. Yeah. Um, 
Or we could always take out Medcalf and sub him in with Lockett and then see what we have left over and go for someone else. But um, there's Tyler Lockett, Eli Mitchell, who that's a pretty favorable matchup for a running back who's going to get pretty much all the touches. Um, I don't know what you guys want to do there. Eli Mitchell, uh, questionable tag. Uh, here's the thing. He's got a concussion and a, a bad knee. So I think that questionable tag could very easily be a doubtful tag to him. Yeah, stay away from that. Uh, so I'm fading him 100%. Uh, if we leave a little money on the table, we could get a guy that like Mike Evans, um, who I think is probably going to get his share of targets. Uh, I, like that, I like that game to be high scoring too. That that yeah. Bills game. Uh, all right, but, let's plug in Mike Evans. We've left 100 bucks on the table. That's not uh, a cardinal sin. In fact, that's that's um, you know increases your chances that your lineup's not going to be duplicated elsewhere. So we've got Teddy Bridgewater. Hilliard, Patterson, Jerry Judy, Hunter Renfro, DK Metcalf, Noah Fant at tight end, Mike Evans in the flex, and the Browns defense. Uh, spent all of our salary but $100. Let's see if that was a smart move, and uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll make a million bucks this week. I, like I, I, don't know, I don't know if anyone noticed the difference. This was the first week I pulled up a list of salaries. So I think I was more helpful during the Yeah, you were, far more, you were far more engaged and actually <laughs> sounded, sounded like you knew what you were talking about. So that was good. Um, all right. Well, good show, gentlemen. Unless you guys have anything else, I think, uh, I think we got our picks in. We got everything uh, in that we wanted to, to say. And uh, I wish you, gentlemen, best of luck. And we'll catch you next week. Good night, everybody. Good time. Good night. Good night, everybody. See you.